Hi gang, thanks for downloading this classic episode of News Fighters. Just a reminder, if you're looking for new, original episodes of News Fighters, they're now over on the Irrational Fear podcast feed. So search for Irrational Fear on your podcasting app or go to irrationalfear.com for all new episodes of News Fighters. In the meantime, enjoy this classic News Fighters episode. You're listening to the Sands Pants Network. Home of comedy, (laughs) culture, adventures, and ghosts. This is News Fighters. Where we fight the news so you don't have to. With Dylan Behan. Yes, hello everyone. Welcome to episode 103 of News Fighters for Friday the 29th of April 2022. I'm your host Dylan Bain, the Prime Minister Sogavare of news comedy. Now, it's probably no surprise to anybody that this week I'm, of course, talking about the third week of the Australian federal election campaign. Yes, to quote Bon Jovi, ooh, we're halfway there, please make it stop, or something like that. Anyways, with half the campaign over, I figured it was a good time to check in on how the network TV photo op pun coverage is going, and let's start with coverage of the day after the French President Emmanuel Macron was re-elected, and Scott Morrison decided to visit a French bakery for a photo op uh, to make some macaron biscuits and croissants on camera. Let's see the très bon puns. Bon appétit! Scott Morrison is delivering election sweeteners up and down the East Coast. Baking one French favourite while congratulating another. But if you think making macarons is difficult... There we go. ...healing relations with a Macron will be trickier. Scott Morrison calls that criticism half-baked. Mercy, buffoon journalists. But not to be outdone, I think the absolute best pun run of the election so far has to be when Scott Morrison had a photo op without any questions and at an outdoor fishing and camping shop on the New South Wales Central Coast to announce a $20 million for fishos, boaties and campers, whatever that is. Roll the puns. The Prime Minister fishing for votes. Today he's fishing for votes. Scott Morrison hoping to lure more Australians to vote for the coalition. In the New South Wales Central Coast, Mr Morrison hoping voters take the bait. Winning over the public can require a bit of bait. Hoping voters would be taken hook, line and sinker by his announcement. By casting $20 million. Casting for the votes of weekend warriors. Although he wasn't keen to be on the hook for any questions. Questions on the pledge. Yes, tune in tomorrow before these puns are thin. But of course, the absolute biggest story of the campaign this week has been the absolute shock that a man who left his house in 2022 in Australia somehow caught COVID. Why, the media just couldn't believe it could happen. Tonight, an election shock. Anthony Albanese tests positive to COVID-19. Good morning. Anthony Albanese's election campaign has been dealt a blow. Anthony Albanese's election campaign is in turmoil. Well, certainly testing times for the Labor campaign. Albo in ISO. Fighting infection and the election election from his living room. Australian electioneering entered a phase never before experienced in our 121 years of federation, with a political leader forced to campaign online at home. Turns out that's not true, actually, because I believe Malcolm Turnbull spent most of the 2016 election campaign online, but um, he was just on his phone checking his share portfolio and Cayman Island bank balances. Anthony Albanese, of course, finally got COVID because he had literally just been caught on camera bragging about how he hadn't caught COVID yet. The positive result hours after an aged care visit. Yesterday, confessing to aged care residents in Nowra that even he couldn't believe he dodged it. 
I've been very lucky, I've got to say. A lot of my colleagues, a lot of parliamentarians, because we mix and go around. Um, but uh, so far, cross fingers. Ah, the pride before the fall. The media speculated this wouldn't be the end of Albanese's campaign, however. The Labor leader is isolating at his Sydney home for seven days. He's in isolation in his Marrickville home. But he's now planning to carry out more appearances via radio, TV and online interviews. You know, potentially... uh Zoom uh, press conferences. Yep, back to the world of Zoom for Anthony Albanese. Yeah, not sure what's worse for Albo, getting COVID or trying to do Zoom meetings on Australian NBN underneath the flight path in Marrickville. Both are pretty bad. Of course, the media tried to portray this as being a major setback for Labor, but even everyone in Labor was like, nah, this is a good thing. This evening, the ABC has spoken to uh, several MPs within Labor who say, who say that this will have an impact or could have an impact on their campaign, but will not be detrimental. His front bench team has stepped in to run the campaign events, adamant that the development could end up being a positive for Labor's electoral fortunes. Anthony Albanese is still in isolation. Does that hurt his campaign? Some people are arguing somewhat cynically that it helps it because it gets him out of the limelight after that bad first week. Well, I think it's a positive for our campaign. Yeah, when everyone in Labor realised, oh, you mean voters will get to see more of Jim Chalmers and Penny Wong for a week, they were like, Albo, just rest up, mate. Stay home another week if you have to. Just uh, take your time. Take your time. Even Scott Morrison seemingly welcomed the Labor team stepping up. I welcome the comparison between my team and the Labor team. Yeah, I bet Scott Morrison was like, oh, some of Labor's front bench team haven't even had to resign in scandal after assault allegations or anonymous donation and rorting corruption scandals. Why, they're not fit to be in government. They don't even they don't even know what being in government's about. Towards the end of the week, however, Scott Morrison did seem to miss his opponent being on the campaign trail. The elbow's out of ISO tomorrow. Have you missed him? Well, I'm looking forward to him rejoining um, the campaign. He's had a pretty quiet week. Uh, I remember when I was in ISO, I had a very busy week attending quad summits and doing all those sorts of oh, things. Oh, come on, he's been out there, he's again. been Zooming. God damn, I'm sick of Australia's stupid workaholic culture. You, you can literally get leave shamed by our Prime Minister for taking time off sick when you become infected with the novel coronavirus. Can't anyone just take a break? And I don't mean going to Hawaii in a national emergency. That's different. I mean, when they're sick. Anyways, back to the campaign trail. And of course, it wouldn't be a federal election campaign without former prime ministers hitting the hustings. And uh, last weekend, John Howard was out in his former seat of Benelong. Now, John Howard is 82 years old now. There's no denying he's gotten on a little bit. And I think there's some signs that he's not really paying attention anymore. In fact, I think he might have completely lost touch with reality. Have a listen to this. Scott Morrison, a man who's demonstrated a mastery of the detail of government. Yeah, not sure what drugs John Howard is on there, but I would certainly like some. Uh, Also, former Labor Prime Minister Kevin Rudd was out on the campaign trail this week and he said this. Yes, something in Mandarin. Cheers. Thanks, Kevin. We all know you're kind of bilingual. Thanks for showing up to show off once again. Also hitting the campaign trail uh, meeting constituents this week was our current Deputy Prime Minister and Nationals Leader, Barnaby Joyce. Let's see what kind of reception he got. Meanwhile, Nationals Leader Barnaby Joyce was the subject of a roadside verbal onslaught yesterday. You're a piece of Barnaby. You're a Let's go. Wow, I haven't heard that much beeping since I watched uh, Kitchen Nightmares on TV in America. Are we sure Barnaby wasn't pulled over by Gordon Ramsay there? 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Anyways, to the other big election issue this week, and that's been China signing a security agreement with our close neighbours, the Solomon Islands. And with Albo off sick, the Labour front benches have clearly been trying to out-zinger each other, and the zingiest zinger of the week was Jason Clare. When we needed a leader, where the bloody hell were you? If you want to build trust in the Pacific, you've got to do a lot more than just play the ukulele. This bloke is so out of touch, you'd need the Hubble telescope to find him. But it's not just all zingers. Labor's also stepped up with its own plan for the South Pacific. An extra half a billion dollars in aid over four years, 3,000 permanent migration spots for Pacific Islanders, allowing seasonal workers to bring their families, financing climate and clean energy projects and extending the reach of ABC broadcasts. Ooh, and you know that was a red flag to a certain ABC-hating bull. What they're effectively saying is they're going to keep doing what we've been doing. There's one difference, though. I sent in AFP. The Labor Party wants to send in the ABC. They have a Q&A solution in the Pacific. I mean, it's farcical. When it was their answer to solving the Solomon Islands problem is to have Q&A in Honiara. Yeah, I'm not sure how the ABC can afford to send Q&A to Honiara when they can't even afford cutlery. It's true, I once bought $40 worth of Kmart cutlery at the ABC and it was all gone within a month. Besides, Q&A did actually go to Fiji in 2019 and it seemed to do a lot for diplomacy in our region. ScoMo, not everyone wants to watch The Masked Singer, okay? Even though hopefully that'll be the only TV show I see you on next year, strumming your ukulele. Unless, of course, uh, MasterChef finally does Curry Week for Kleptocrats. Now, of course, the Liberals are claiming that the timing of China signing the deal with the Solomons is all some kind of big election-interfering conspiracy. Karen Andrews effectively asserting Beijing deliberately dropped the announcement in the election's second week in order to cruel the coalition's chances. Why now? Why right in the middle of a federal election campaign? I mean, we talk about political interference, and that has many forms. Wow, okay. Uh, First of all, why would China even care who wins the Australian election? We literally have the population of one of their medium-sized cities. We're that insignificant to them. I mean, in 2020, they compared Australia to gum stuck on China's shoe. 
Would you interfere in an election on gum stuck on your shoe? I wouldn't. And second of all, hey, Morrison government, not everything is about you all the time. Most Australians alone don't care who wins the election. What makes you think anyone in China does? What do you think? They're like, oh, I hope Labor wins. We can have that uh, guy back who barely speaks Mandarin very well. Morrison's also been in trouble from ASIO recently for politicizing national security by claiming China favors Labor, for which there is literally no evidence. Past and present intelligence chiefs have cautioned the coalition against turning national security into a political battlefield. I'll leave the politics to the politicians, but I'm very clear with everyone that I need to be that um, that's not helpful for us. Earlier this year, when you and other ministers made similar comments about China, the head of ASIO said politicising national security is, quote, not helpful. So why did you repeat that comment when our national security agencies are saying it is not helpful? It's doing Australia a disservice. Hmm. Well, see, when you're prime minister, you're running the government. Um, Public servants don't run the government. Prime ministers and their ministers run governments. Yeah, sounding a bit Trumpy in there, mate. By that logic, do you also, like, run the police force and the judges, the judicial system? It's not how democracy is supposed to work, ScoMo. Of course, as a man famous for fleeing to Pacific Islands during stressful times, Scott Morrison has gone out of his way to try and make it look like he hasn't been standing idly by during all this. No, instead, he has vaguely threatened the Solomons with some sort of retaliation if they dare let China set up a military base there, but then hasn't said what the retaliation would be. I share the same red line that the United States has when it comes to these issues. What do you mean by that? We we won't be having Chinese military naval bases um, in our region on our doorstep. What happens if the red line you've drawn in Solomon Islands is breached? Are we talking military action? What sort of response would you have? Well, it would not be responsible for me to be speculating in public about um, what Australia the United States and, and others would be doing in circumstances such as that. That that would not be a responsible thing to do. Ah, yes, good job. He sure knows how to talk strong on foreign policy, provided you don't ask a follow-up question. Scomo is like a dad kind of vaguely threatening his kids. Oh, d- damn you kids, go to sleep. Don't make me come in there or else I'll... Not going to say what I'll do. Hmm. And then on Anzac Day, our Defence Minister Peter Dutton tried to talk strongly against China as well. As the Defence Minister goes on the offence over China's pact with the Solomons. The only way uh, that you can you can preserve peace is, is to prepare for war and to be strong as a country. Ratcheting up the rhetoric after Scott Morrison declared a Chinese military base in the Pacific would cross a red line. Curling up in a ball, pretending that nothing's happening, uh, saying nothing, that that is not going to be uh, in our long-term interest. Yes, but curling up in a ball and pretending nothing's happening has also been your government's policy towards the Solomon Islands for the last nine years. And look where it got us. Now all you can do is pretend to draw red lines. Oh, and as for this... The only way uh, that you can you can preserve peace is, is to prepare for war. Well, that just sounds like a clever advertising slogan from a bunch of military contractors, so you spend billions more of our taxpayer dollars on defence toys. Imagine if your kids use that logic. Uh, the only way I can preserve peace with my sister is if I uh, prepare all these water balloons. Or the only way I can make sure I eat all my veggies is if we fill the freezer with ch- chocolate ice cream. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Anyways, all this scaremongering made this grab from ScoMo's Anzac Day speech sound a little bit ironic. An arc of autocracy is challenging the rules-based order our grandparents had secured. 
Uh, mate, there's only one guy in the Pacific right now I'm hearing vaguely threaten the sovereignty of other nations, talk about stockpiling defence weapons, and is delegitimising our democratic institutions by ignoring the independence of our security organisations. And it's you. And on top of that, you're in favour of making it harder to vote and easier to get away with being corrupt. So if there's an arc of autocracy happening in the Pacific, I think it starts at your house. And then on top of all this, there's been some other absolutely major election revelations this week that I barely have time to talk about. First of all, as I suspected all along, Scott Morrison's net zero plan has been revealed as being an absolute sham. Its candidate in the Queensland seat of Flynn describing the government's net zero emissions by 2050 commitment as flexible. Zero net carbon emissions by 2050, uh, Morrison document uh, is a flexible plan. It leaves us wiggle room uh, as we proceed into the future. Queensland Senator Matt Canavan dismissing the government's net zero emissions plan. Yeah, well, the net zero thing is all sort of dead anyway. I mean, Boris Johnson's said he's pausing the net zero commitment. Germany's building coal and gas infrastructure. Italy's reopening coal-fired power plants. Uh, it's all over. So yes, more bad news for the Pacific there. I'm not sure how China's going to be able to build any bases unless they can float. And then second of all, the other big revelation is, surprise, surprise, the coalition's economic plan is also an absolute sham. Meanwhile, the government made a lower tax guarantee pledge today, replete with the release of this glossy brochure, promising that tax as a share of GDP would not go above 23.9%. An ironclad guarantee. We won't ensure um, that we will see taxes increase. The coalition pledge unless it cuts spending, which it doesn't want to commit to doing, is just to keep handing down budget deficit after budget deficit and hope to get away with it, and then try and wedge Labor as the high-taxing alternative. But hang on, they're meant to be the party of good economic managers, right? I mean, Morrison keeps saying things like this. It's a choice between Mr Albanese, someone who's never done a budget, and myself and the Liberals and Nationals who have proven economic management and financial management capabilities. You can't risk Labor. You can't risk Labor because they can't manage an economy, which means there'd be a weak economy. It's the Forrest Gump principle. You just never know what you're going to get. Well, all right then, if we're going to be summing up with uh, Forrest Gump quotes, I reckon this week's entire coalition campaign can be summed up with this. Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? Stupid as stupid does, Mr. Blue. Are you stupid or something? Stupid is as stupid does, sir. Alrighty, that's episode 103 of News Fighters. And just a reminder, we've got our celebrity-filled 100th episode best of compilation, uh, a video and audio up on our Patreon at patreon.com slash newsfighters. Also, I've put up a few uh, limited edition links for sale at our Buy Me A Coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash newsfighters, where you can get the video link for just five bucks. As always, News Fighters is written, produced, and edited by me, Dylan Bain, for Sands Pants Radio. I'm going to be doing weekly election episodes throughout the campaign. Uh, so tune in and don't forget, follow us and subscribe on your podcasting app of choice. If you're on YouTube at youtube.com slash newsfighters, hit subscribe, leave us a comment, uh, click like. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at newsfighterspod. And i got a free newsletter at newsfighters. Dot com. That's all. Hopefully, I hear a rumor there's going to be some debates next week. So uh, I'm going to be here to recap those at some point. So fingers crossed, keep fighting, and bye for now. This is News Fighters, where we fight the news 
so you don't have to. Central to our economic plan also. Bringo.